Welcome to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the latest marketing trends, tools, and tips, and provide you with the top resources you need to thrive and make your marketing mesmerizing. And now, here's your host, Dimple Dang. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast. And today I'm excited to be here with Shamir. He's the Managing Director at Smart Panda Labs. And we're going to be talking about some very interesting concepts when it comes to marketing and converting and just increasing the conversions that clients are getting from their website. So tell us a little bit more about your background, Shamir, how you got started at Smart Panda Labs, what you do for them. And we'll start there. Sure. So got started with Smart Panda Labs about 10 years ago now. Used to work in the corporate side of things for a number of different brands, large brands. Um, really at the, the start of the internet, really becoming an important thing just to keep part of the business. And over the years of helping organizations start to use the internet the right way, ran into a lot of frustrations that still exist today in terms of getting internal teams and resources aligned to create the kind of experience that people really demand online. So trying to get marketing, to work with product, to work with IT, to work with operations. And out of that frustration and came the birth of Smart Panda Labs in terms of trying to get companies to help build that foundation and framework for success so that they can they can really drive um, a good digital customer experiences that that generate revenue and save costs. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's much needed nowadays because, you know, a lot of companies can invest in digital marketing, invest in website and do all of these things, but they're still not getting conversions. And I think there's there is a little bit of art and science to getting, you know, conversions on a website, on a landing page. A lot of it has to do with even ad copy. But, you know, when you really want to get scientific, there's so many different factors that impact, you know, what converts and what doesn't convert. So, you know, for our audience, like, tell us a little bit more about what exactly Smart Panda Labs does and, and you know, what type of companies do you work with? Sure. So I'll kind of answer that in reverse order. So we typically work with companies, enterprise organizations that are in the earlier stages of digital transformation. So they know they need to have a really modern digital customer experience, but they don't know how to get there. They know that they can see the destination, but they're not sure what path to take to get there. So we help them navigate that. And, and ultimately what we focus on is, you talked about ads and, and having good advertising. We focus on what happens after the click. So a lot of time and attention and money is spent on advertising and that's certainly important. But unfortunately as marketers, we sometimes get so focused on advertising. We think every problem is an advertising problem. And when you really think about it, only seconds are spent interacting with an ad. Most of the customer's time is spent after the click. So what is that experience they have on the website or the landing page or the app? What's that communication that's happening with email or SMS? What's happening to drive them ultimately to conversion and then building a relationship to drive lifetime value? And that's where Smart Panda Lab focuses. It's thinking about communications, thinking about marketing automation, thinking about experimentation, personalization, all those elements that happen after the click that drives conversion and lifetime value. Yeah, that's great because obviously, you know, people can get clicks. They can, you know, do paid ads on Google through PPC campaigns. They can get organic traffic, 
But once they get the click, if the you know potential client doesn't stay on that website and they leave, it's not going to translate into a conversion. It's not going to translate into a sale. So my question to you is, what are some of the most common mistakes you're seeing these businesses and companies make when it comes to you know, their website or or their landing pages? Like, what do you think they could improve when you go to them or they come to you and you're looking at their website? What are some of the common mistakes you're seeing? I think that to talk about big buckets, they usually fall into one or two buckets. It's usually about usability. So it's just a poor user experience. So the way the page is laid out, is it intuitive in terms of what you want the person to do? So you think about looking at the page and what that major call to action is. If the page even lacks a call to action, is it very clear what the next step is to go in the process? We see a lot of problems with that. And then the other issue that we usually find is around persuasion. How are you building value? How are you giving them the appropriate information at the right time? So we talked about the fact that what what happens after the click is critically important. Well, if the messaging and the imagery and the ad drove the click, how are you continuing that story? And how are we playing off that messaging? How are we playing off that imaging? on that landing page so that ultimately drives people all the way through that conversion process. So it's usually around usability, not being very clear and concise about the path that you want people to take and being able to make it very explicit as to what needs to be done on the page to do that. And then again, about persuasion, about having the right content in the right place so that people can be able to educate themselves and then ultimately convert. Great. You're saying that, you know, when someone's on a website in terms of usability, you know, they're not sure, well, what action are they supposed to take next because it's not clearly defined or maybe there's too many options and then that creates a bad user experience where the user is confused. Well, should I click here or should I click here? Should I go to this page or or that page? And by then nothing's happening because, you know, the potential client is just like, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to just do nothing and pause and I think this is where Smart Panda Labs comes in as you're coming in. So you're, you're going to take an assessment. You're going to say, well, this is how we can improve the user experience. You know, this is how we can improve conversions. And, you know, when it comes to us- usability, what are some of the faux pas that you've seen? It's like, no, no, don't do that. And you see it all the time. Probably the, the number one thing that we see is you're giving people too much information. You're giving people too many choices. You kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink at the one page and people don't like that. It's it's a bit counterintuitive because you think, well, I'm going to give them all the information they need in order to make this decision. I'm going to give them all these choices and they can click to this page and learn about this aspect of it and this page and learn about that aspect of it. But what happens is people tend to get kind of paralyzed. It's it's too many choices. It's too many things to do and end up, it ends up causing confusion. So very much what you alluded to, just the fact of packing too much into one shot instead of keeping things very, very simple and very, very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. They get paralyzed by fear. And then that complexity just, you know, makes them take no action. And that's not the best, you know, resort to go to. Let's, let's talk about, you know, we talked about usability. Let's also talk about in terms of, you know, the customer experience, like when they come to a site, you know, that customer experience is also, I think, how they feel when they land on a landing page. And I think that can come through imagery. It can come through the tone that's used in the content, the way that the content is written, how it's speaking to that audience. And is the audience, you know, resonating with that content or not? So what have you seen when it comes to 
content and ad copy and imagery. We've seen that the continuity of content and ad copy and imagery is typically what works best. It, it reinforces the message that kind of drove the click and it reinforces the fact that the customer's in the right place, going along the right path. And we mean that very, very literally. So if you had a particular image, a, a shot, maybe it's a vacation and in the, in the ad you had a shot of people at the beach, having a shot of people at the beach on the landing page reinforces that. If there was a particular line of copy about, you know, save $50 today on your package, then the landing page should say, save $50 on your package. It should immediately reinforce what they saw in the ad so they know they're in the right place. This is the same message I just saw. Okay, great. This is what I'm looking for. Give me some information about the package. And now I'm informed enough to take the next step. Yeah, so there needs to be consistency in the story that it's telling. The images should match up with the ad copy and it should just all, you know, flow together and tell a story. And sometimes, you know, when websites don't have that and things are not connecting, it's disjointed. And that's the same experience that the end user's getting. And the end user is going to end up leaving that website and going to their competitor's website. And therefore, that, you know, company has lost a potential client that could be worth for some of these corporations millions of dollars, right? So where you come in, like, you know, tell us like some of the industries that that you guys work with, and maybe you can share a case study, maybe the one about the Viceroy Hotel, because, you know, they're a well-known brand. And I've actually been to their location in LA. So familiar, but tell us a little bit more about an actual case study and how you took this hotel and you really helped them change the way that they were representing themselves online and how that increased their conversions. Sure. So it's really about kind of understanding, again, the usability of the experience and looking at things from the customer's perspective. So for Viceroy, at the time, they were kind of dipping their toe into experimentation and testing, and they kind of need to prove out the ROI of it, that if we invest in an experimentation program, is this going to drive results? Is this going to ultimately drive revenue for us? And fortunately, we were able to prove that out. So an example of simple copy on a button, an, an early point in the process of, of converting and actually uh, reserving a hotel room, someone might see a button that says book now. Well, you're not actually booking right now that very early in the process. There's probably several steps before you're actually booking the room. So just changing the copy on that button to be more an, a more accurate description of what's happening in that process, something like start your reservation, which is really a more accurate description. We saw that drive more throughput through into the conversion funnel and then ultimately were more revenue from like being able to create a dedicated campaign landing page that consolidated some of the key points of information people needed in order to convert versus just kind of driving people generally to the site or to a general property page was also something that drove more revenue for the company. So there was all these opportunities just to improve the usability of the experience, to make it a yes. bit more accurate, to get what we consider to be low-hanging fruit. I mean, these are people who kind of want to do this. Basically, we're just helping websites get out of their own way and, and allow those people to do that. So that's before you even talk about trying to persuade people to do it. These are people who want to do it. You're just trying to kind of remove these barriers and allow them to move forward. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's a whole psychology behind all of that. It's like, oh, you know, start your reservation versus book your book now or book your reservation because book now means like right now you're going to have to pay or you're going to have to, you know, do the complete the transaction where start just means, hey, you're going through the process. You might maybe change your mind to, you know, a different booking or a different type of room that you want. 
but it, it's a little bit softer. And I think it's how do those words impact, you know, how someone is receiving that information? How are they thinking about it? And, and how does it make them feel? And if the goal, I think, is to make them feel comfortable throughout the customer journey and to feel not stressed out, to feel relaxed and like, you know, feel like they're in a safe space where whatever transaction they make on that particular website, that they're going to have a good user experience, that they're going to get exactly what was promised to them. You know, like that's through the landing page, the words and, and the content. And I think the disconnect sometimes is when users go on a website, they purchase something and they don't get what was promised to them or the right, the funnel of the actions don't go as expected. And so that was a great example, you know, that you shared. Thank you for sharing that. What else can you tell me in terms of like the different services that Smart Panda Labs provides for, you know, for different corporations and, and companies and and anything else that you do besides what we already talked about? Sure. So again, we, we talk about the fact that people need time in order to make a decision. They need the appropriate information. So some of what we do isn't just saying, okay, what's that experience when someone comes to the website and how do we drive them to the funnel? But also how do we give them an opportunity to say, well, I, I kind of need to learn more. So a lot of what we do is around communications, marketing automation, people signing up for, for emails or for triggered campaigns so that perhaps if they're not ready to actually put their credit card in, perhaps they're willing to give you the email to get some additional information. And then you can nurture them over time to get to that point of conversion. Then subsequently, after the after the person actually makes that, that purchase, now you're able to go back to them. Now you have some information about their experiences, what they like, what products or services they're interested in. And now you're able to market to them again down the road, use that information to get greater lifetime value from that person. So get them a chance to come back to become a, a more loyal customer. So it's not just about the experience on the website itself, which we certainly help with in terms of experimentation and personalization but it's also about those communications that can be triggered as well, whether it be from email or from, from SMS or, or other channels that can help to continue to nurture and, and build those relationships. Yeah, relationships are so important. And sometimes when someone's making a big purchase, it's not, you know, it doesn't happen instantaneously. That has to be nurtured and they have to consistently, you know, learn more about that product or service and then, you know, working their way, you know, into that funnel of, okay, I'm interested. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like researching. And then it's like, okay, I might do this, but I'm not quite ready yet. And then it's like, okay, I'm ready to pull the plug and, and go forward. And, you know, collecting email addresses is a great way to stay top of mind and and also just let, you know, potential clients and existing even customers know what is it that's new and exciting in the land of that organization? What have they been working on that? And that's a way to stay top of mind and, and communicate that the audience can be really excited about. So thank you so much for sharing that. And what about like, you know, do you have any other case studies that are memorable where you're really proud of, where you're really proud of the results that you got for the client? Yeah, there's one that that, that stands out to me in particular, and it's because of the, the way it kind of all developed. So this was a client that, again, was trying to improve certain aspects of their, their conversion process. It just so happens that it was a travel client as well. And it's interesting with experimentation, it's, it's more about learning than it is about winning. Most tests that you run are going to lose. But with each loss, you, you learn more and then eventually you get that big win, that kind of that big payoff. And I remember the very first experiment we ran for them, it was actually very similar to the one we did for Viceroy where we kind of changed the copy on the button. But in this case, 
the test actually lost. Very quickly, within a couple of days, we had confidence that, that changing that copy on the button, making it a bit less committal, the thing we did for Viceroy for this other travel client, was received very poorly by their audience and, and started to lose money. So that kind of told us two things. Number one, don't change the copy on the button. <laughs> but the other thing it really told us was that part of the experience matters a great deal to the consumer. It's just, we didn't, we didn't tweak that part of the experience the right way to move them in the direction that we wanted to. So we tried something a little bit different. Instead of changing the copy on the button from saying book now to start your reservation or whatever we changed it to, we kept the, the, the copy of saying book now, but then we added some micro copy below the button that said your credit card will not be charged. So maintain the copy, just gave some context to what was happening and what wasn't going to happen. And keep in mind at this point, the person hadn't entered the credit card, but just by adding that micro copy, we saw a huge lift with confidence in conversions, the exact opposite. That was the winner in the experiment. So here we had this loss going in, this rather large loss, but it educated us enough that we were able to tweak the experiment and now get a big win that would drive obviously incremental revenue for the long term for them. So it just, I, I love that example because it, it just shows that experimentation, again, is really about learning and using the learnings in the right way so that you can get the long-term win. And that's what people have to commit to when it comes to experimenting. You've got to know that most of them are going to lose, but as long as you're learning along the way, you're going to end up driving nice wins for your, for yourself. Yeah, I love that. And of course, like yeah, with experimentation, yeah, it is something that it's going to take time to test different aspects and different factors and different buttons, different ad copy all of that. But I love that by changing into say, your credit card is not going to be charged at this time. That is such a big confidence factor where someone can say, oh, okay, I trust this brand now because I can keep moving forward. I don't have to be like, oh my God, I'm going to have to pay for this right now. Maybe the person doesn't have funds or maybe they're not positive that they might need to switch or cancel the reservation. So by having those little, almost like trust factors along the way, that are coming in to just go inside of their their mind. I think it's giving them that level of comfort to move forward and make that transaction. And, and that's very instrumental because it may seem like a little thing to say that, but what's huge is like the impact that it's having on the mindset of the person who is shopping online. Exactly. It's, it's really about transparency, right? It's just about saying, look, this when you do this, this is what you can expect to happen. Like we're not, we're not hiding anything here. We're not trying to trick you. This is, this is a reasonable expectation of what is or what isn't in this case going to happen. And just saying that, that expectation, giving that transparency increases confidence in the entire process and allows people to move forward and move through the process and ultimately generate more revenue. Yeah, that's great. Transparency is so key. Thank you for sharing that. And besides like, let's say, you know, like the hotels and hospitality industry, what other industries have you guys, you know, worked with or like to take on clients where you see that there is definitely a need for your services? Yeah, we've done work with with real estate, healthcare, higher education. Not that we don't work with all industries because we certainly do, but we, we seem to gravitate toward a lot of industries where it's a higher consideration purchase, perhaps a higher dollar, greater financial risk, sometimes greater emotional risk. The, the way I like to refer to it is it's when you're going to buy something that you can't take back. You know, you, you decide you're going to do an outpatient surgery at a, at a certain facility. You know, once you commit to that, you know, you, you can't return that. Right. You, you, book a, you book a vacation. Once you go on that vacation, you stay at that resort or you go to that cruise, like you, you can't take that back to the store. Right. So that higher level of emotional and financial risk certainly breeds a, a bit of a longer journey in terms of purchase, but more opportunities to be able to 
optimize those touch points throughout that journey and move people through. Yeah. What about, I mean, do you guys like also do this for like auto dealerships? We certainly do. So we've done both e-commerce, so the purchase online, but we've also done a lot of work with lead gen as well. So just simply generating the lead, but trying to obviously drive quality leads through the process so that when it gets that that offline conversion, so buying the car at the, at the auto dealership or you know, renting the apartment or buying the house, you're able to get someone who's more likely to convert because you've driven quality through the process. Okay, great. And how do you see artificial intelligence impacting, you know, what Smart Panda Labs is doing? And have there been any talks about incorporating AI into, you know, your platforms and what you do? Yeah, I definitely think there's a huge impact. I think AI adds a lot of speed to the process. It allows us to, to iterate faster in terms of the decisions that it's able to make without the need for direct human input into every single decision. The key there is kind of building the right foundation so that we're able to flow through accurate, consistent information to inform the machine learning so that it can give good recommendations. So that's sometimes the challenge for clients. We have to kind of help them make sure that we're getting a good flow of solid, accurate data into the system to be able to leverage the AI, but it's definitely something that we kind of get to along the way. So it's kind of something we kind of baby step along and we don't jump straight into AI. Most, most companies can't do that. Again, you need the foundation and then the right framework, the right data, the right processes in place. Then once you do that, then you can start leveraging AI on top of that to begin iterating and, and moving to that, that framework faster, creating a faster cycle of experimentation and wins. Yeah, that makes sense. And in terms of all of the testing, everything that has to happen, what's like a reasonable time frame that you tell, you know, clients like we need to work together, you know, for for this long at least to see some of the data come in and make, you know, intelligent assumptions based off that data on how we move forward, what changes we need to make for higher conversions. It usually depends on the traffic. The more traffic they get, the faster we can learn on things, the faster we can iterate, get results and kind of move forward. And then obviously other factors like, you know, what technology do they have in place to be able to experiment, to be able to drive change and so forth. But I'd say typically about three, three to six months for them to see, you know, solid, reasonable results to say, yeah, this, this is making sense. We're, we're getting a return on this investment. This is something we should move forward with because just like anything else in marketing, we don't believe experimentation, personalization, automation, those things are set it and forget it. They're not one and done. There's a continual process here that needs to keep running. The market keeps changing. People keep changing. Competitors keep changing. Therefore, it forces you and your brand, your product to keep changing, to keep iterating so that you can keep up with all that. So it's a constant process, but a good three to six months, you start getting that process going, that, that wheel turning. And you're starting to see positive results from what you're doing. Yeah, change is great because, I mean, and, and it's important to recognize that things do change, you know, very quickly, especially in even the way consumers behave and the way consumers shop. I mean, when you think about, you know, the past over two years that we've been in this pandemic, people's buying habits have changed. People's habits of even how they, you know, where they work from, how they dress, like a lot of things have changed. And, and I think that that has to be accounted into everything because how people used to buy and shop online, let's say two years ago, or even six months ago, or even three months ago may not be the same today. <laughs> and that is why as an organization, you know, companies also need to realize that because the world is changing so quickly, and the way people shop online is changing, the way people interact, you know, with different websites and different social media platforms, that they also have to be open to to change. They have to be open to, 
you know, test different things out and they have to see what's working and what's not working. Because if they're doing the same thing that they've done for 10 years, maybe it did work 10 years ago. But if they're not really growing substantially, maybe they're just staying, you know, static or growing 1% every year when they could be growing, you know, 25%. That's, you know, that's a game changer. That's huge. And, and I think that it's these little tweaks where that could result in, you know, an extra $100,000 worth of revenue for, for an organization. It could result in half a million dollars of additional revenue based on making some, you know, adjustments and tweaks. What is what is an example of, you know, someone that you guys have worked with where you notice like a big jump in terms of their online orders or sales or conversions based on a specific change that you made? Yeah, we worked with actually a luxury real estate brand related a couple of years back, and we saw some some really notable changes there in terms of what we were able to do to to really again optimize on the traffic they were driving already, but improve that through personalization. So, ran an interesting campaign where we kind of looked at where people were coming from geographically, and used that to help more quickly surface. Okay, well, if you're in the New York area, then more than likely you're interested in the properties in New York. If you're in the Chicago area more than likely you're interested in the properties in Chicago and so forth. So just taking the information that was already on the site, but using what we know about them to be able to surface the information that's most likely most relevant to them. And they saw great results from that, not only in driving more leads, more appointments for, for people to, to speak to a leasing agent, but in driving the quality of those leads. So that conversion from lead to lease was able to increase by means of doing that as well. And that's really critical, right? Because it's, it's not hard to drive traffic. It's not even hard to drive leads. But to have quality, to maintain it, to increase that quality, um, that's really where the power comes in of, of really maximizing what you're able to do. So that was an example of a client we worked with where we saw a great opportunity there just by surfacing the most relevant information. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. And what is there is there anything new and exciting that you guys are working on for, you know, for 2023 or even upcoming for 2024 that you're able to share with us? Yeah. So one of the things that we're really working on is, you know, trying to do personalization across multiple channels simultaneously, right? So it's one thing to personalize an experience just when someone lands on a particular page, or maybe we're sending an email, but how does the ad lead to personalizing the page lead to someone filling out their email information and then carrying through that personalization? So when they get that email communication, that's personalized to them. And they click on that email communication, go back to this, like that's personalized. So how do we keep and maintain that, that personalization all the way through the process using each respective data point that we pick up to, to further narrow and, and personalize it? So it's really getting closer and closer to that one-on-one that -on -one feel, which ultimately makes people more likely to, to convert and buy. So there's a lot more complexity to that, a lot more systems that need to talk to each other, a lot more planning needs to go into place to do that. But we you know, try to help companies mature and, and move toward that. That's, that's some of the fun stuff that we're looking forward to doing this year. I think that's going to be huge because I definitely see, you know, need for that. Like, for example, like if there's a real estate, you know, company that has offices nationwide, right? But then we know that, you know, with different cities and different, you know, climates and different lo locations, there's different needs, there's different behavior in terms of what the clients, you know, have, maybe even different times of the day that they're obviously, you know, looking online for, for this information, how they're searching. So I think that's, you know, that's going to be huge. Mm -hmm. And my other question is, you know, as I keep looking at the name, Smart Panda Labs, how did you guys get this name? Like, where's their story behind the name? 
you know, I wish there was. I feel like I should make one up because I get asked this question all the time, <laughs> but there really wasn't. You know, we talked early on. You mentioned the fact that you know words words have power. You know, words have a connotation, and, and I think we just came up with words that kind of felt just sounded good together. Like there was a good rhythm to the combination of those words, and uh, of course, we're marketers at heart, so anything memorable is always good. And Spark Panda Labs has proven to be itself, you know, to be something very memorable. So we'd like to tie into that factor as well. Yeah, I would say it's definitely memorable. That's actually one of the reasons why I agreed to have you on my shows because <laughs> when I was, re you know, I get a lot of requests and then I research and I see if it's a good fit or not. And then the name just struck me as if I've heard of it before, I've seen it before, I know it. And and then it's like it made me think of like a panda bear that's actually smart and then a lab and the bears in the lab and he's concocting all of this, you know, secret sauce to to help, you know, companies and organizations make more money. It was like story in my head. I was like, okay, yeah, our panda lives. I, I like that. And then I looked on the website, of course. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm wondering, you know, do you have either a life quote or a marketing quote or some type of quote that, you know, that really is one that you have, you know, kind of adopted into your life or, or that you like to share? I think the one that always kind of resonates with me is, and, and I can't remember who said it. I, I remember where I read about it. It was a, a book by Seth Godin where I read about the quote, but I think it was a professor at some, at some school that said it. It's that people don't buy quarter inch drill bits. They need quarter inch holes. And the reason I like that quote is because it always makes me think that it's it's not about the product that you're selling or the particular service. It's about the need that that fulfills that that person has. You, you kind of need to take it at least one step or maybe two or three steps further into like, what what is this really doing for the person? Because that's what you're selling. The drill bit is like, who cares? Let's drill bit. It's that I need to hang this picture <laughs> and I need to drill a hole to do it. And, and I need this piece to, to accomplish that, right? So really focusing marketing on the goal, what the person is trying to accomplish and not just on the product, that kind of, that mindset and that focus is, is something that that always helps me do. So that's always one of what. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. That's, yeah, that definitely vibes and makes sense. And is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share and, you know, pertaining Smart Panda Labs or anything that you're working on recently that we didn't talk about yet? No, I think, no, I think this was great. This was, this was super thorough. I think you really kind of hit on the fact that, you know, there are a lot of enterprise companies that are not doing some very, very basic things. And we love helping companies figure that out. And, and, and probably the one thing I can think of is just helping companies recognize they need to have the right mindset that when people think about the kind of experience they're going to have with a brand, they're not comparing you just to your competitors or just to other players in your industry. They're comparing you to their ideal of what the online experience should be. And that ideal is being set by leaders like Google or, or Amazon. And that's what they're expecting on your site. And the fact that you know, maybe other players in your industry and in real estate or healthcare aren't delivering that. People don't care about that. They don't, they don't parse it that way. You don't, they don't say, well, you know, they're just in real estate. So I don't expect this to be like Amazon. They expect everyone to be like Amazon. They expect everyone to give them, you know, meaningful recommendations. They expect every, every buying process to be very easy because that's the standard that's been set. So really helping companies understand that is an important first step in getting that, wrapping their heads around that to say, this is why you need to invest in this because you need to move forward because that's the standard you need to meet. Yeah, that makes sense because the bar has been set high and people, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to expect nothing less. And that's what they're used to. And when they, they become accustomed to that, to them, it's like, it's not any big deal. It's like they expect that wherever they go. And, and that's the mindset that the organizations need to have is like thinking of how are 
our clients thinking? What what's going through their mind right now when they're going on a website and what are their expectations and and all that and taking that, you know, into, you know, factoring that in basically. Yep. Yeah. And so tell us, so tell us also, Shamir, like where, you know, our audience in terms of where they can reach you, like give us like the website for Smart Panda Labs and then any social media handles where they can follow and connect. Sure. Yeah. So smartpandalabs.com is our our main website. We can learn more about us and what we do. And for me personally, if you you find me on LinkedIn, I guarantee there's not another Shamir Duverso on LinkedIn. So you shouldn't have a hard time finding me. He'll post on there quite frequently about my my thoughts and feelings, the mindset that I think um, enterprise marketers need to have, especially if they're in those early stages, and give you a great chance to to see if what I'm saying, you know, really resonates with you, or if you don't like it at all. We're not a good fit. Love it, love it. I will link all of that information in the show notes. And thank you so much for being on the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast. And I look forward to seeing what you guys are up to in the near future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show so you don't ever miss an episode and also share it with your friends. Dimple would be so grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review and visit the podcast website to check out all the latest episodes at www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. That's www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. And follow Dimple on Clubhouse. Her handle is marketing expert and also join her mesmerizing marketing club also on clubhouse for live rooms on top marketing strategies for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to mesmerize their marketing 